what I found over the years is, especially the oil field, it's a huge area, but it's kind of a small, small town feel. And most of the time, everybody knows everybody. I don't think many other industries do as well of a job as we do. Oh, I'm getting back and trying to work with the community and, you know, raising funds. Every job is stressful. I don't care what you do. Every job has its own type of stress built into it. Uh, jobs just have different types of stresses. It's not what you know, but who you know in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Samuels, and this is another episode of Coffee and Liquidity, the podcast that sits nicely at the intersection of curiosity and business. The American dream can mean so many different things to so many different people. There's no one right answer. There's no one right path forward. But let's talk about ways to set yourself up and your family up for financial freedom in the future. So Derek Clark is going to be joining us. He's with Epic Site Solutions on the sales and marketing side, uh, working with a number of vendors out here in the Permian. And uh, we're actually going to talk about it. I'm not sure if it's exclusive Permian or a little bit of a wider swath, but uh, really someone that I respect, how he comes at the business, how he approaches uh, you know, what he does. Uh, you've probably seen Derek on LinkedIn uh, all over the place. I mean, he seems to be all over, which is fantastic. So we're going to talk about you know how to build a personal brand, what is you know what's his seat look like in oil and gas? What you know what maybe the market uh, may be doing here in the short and long term? Just kind of go from there. Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Derek and I haven't known each other for, for too long, but got a chance to connect uh, just a few months ago, and, and I've really appreciated that uh, that relationship. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring Derek on. Derek, how are we doing today? Good, man. How's your morning been? So yeah, as he was uh, discussing, I work out here in the Permian Basin. I am based out of Odessa. I work for two equipment rental companies doing contract sales. So um, in a nutshell, I provide your heavy machinery, construction equipment, and cranes for almost any type of project you may be having. I work with a lot of pipeline companies, midstream contractors, uh, civil, commercial. So really, we can help out just about anybody and would love a chance. So so like I mentioned in the intro, Derek, uh, you, know, you and I have uh, gotten a chance to know each other a little bit, uh, but uh, you know, one of the most impactful things or one of the first impressions that I got was just you know your... Your, the way that you approach relationships and networking and how valuable that is. And like I mentioned there in the intro, just briefly, uh, you know, you, you seem to be all over LinkedIn. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you've used LinkedIn as a networking platform and just sort of how you approach that. Maybe give some advice on a company guy, maybe looking to, to go out independent, maybe looking to expand the network a little bit. What are some tips on maybe how to get out there? What are some things maybe that you've seen uh, of ways, you know, maybe not to do that? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I appreciate it, man. I think building a personal brand is, you know, vital to anybody's success. I appreciate you saying the kind words. I have spent a long time working on LinkedIn and a couple other social media uh, platforms, trying to build up a network. Unfortunately, we're a very digitized world, so being able to connect with people um, through things such as LinkedIn is only going to benefit you. Um, so I'm a big component of that. I do have people ask me all the time, you know, why do I post? 
so much or how do you you know constantly post things you know where do you think of some of the stuff and a lot of it's just you know general questions i may have or a lot of it's just trying to put things that i'm going through and dealing with because i know a lot of people are experiencing the same struggle so i use it as a lot of learning from other people as well not just posting up my general company information and yeah no i think that's really valuable advice i think one of the things that i see a lot is you, know, you can kind of tell the people that are using LinkedIn just sort of, you know, they, they check in kind of and use it to kind of say that they use LinkedIn, if that makes sense. They don't really engage right. uh, and there's not a lot of, of in-depth conversation, a lot of nuance there. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, um, generally when, when I see you in the comments, it's, it's about, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, tagging somebody that, that wants, you know, that you think that would want to read the post, whether that be, hey, do you have a certain amount of equipment here or, or a job posting or something of that nature? But also if it's more sort of contextual, you know, giving a couple of you know, your two cents on, on what you think about the issue. And I think that if you do that enough, and that's something that, that I try to employ as well, if you do that enough, start, people start to see to see that and, and you start to kind of gain some trust and, and legitimacy just through that. And that's not even direct, you know, one-on-one interaction a lot of times. No, 100%, man. It's definitely a platform. You got to put in a little bit of effort to get, you know, the full benefit from it. Um, obviously, I know you can't be on there day in and day out. But, you know, when you are on there actually commenting, posting, engaging with people is going to just drive up the numbers on your page. Uh, and so, yeah, and, I'm, you know, to touch on what you were talking about earlier, I am a big, big advocate of networking. Uh I, I preach that. I know I've put up several videos and posts about it. I'm sure you've seen. But what I found over the years is, especially the oil field, it's a huge area, but it's kind of a small, small town feel. And most of the time, everybody knows everybody. So if you can align yourself with enough people um, and help as much people as you can when they're trying to you know, be aligned with the right customers as well that you may have connections with and kind of working together. So I, I definitely take that philosophy over... Uh, you know, it's not what you know, but who you know in the world we live in today. Amen. Amen. You know, you may have said it uh, in the intro when I was wrangling with the audio, um, but uh, did you plug, uh, you know, I know that you have a networking lunch either monthly or bi-monthly. Uh, did you talk about that? Yeah, so I am involved. In, and, you know, it's another good thing I was going to talk about. Uh, for anybody wanting to grow their network and, and trying to find ways to, to meet, you know, like-minded people in the same industries, start with your local, you know, networks. The, you know, the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners is one I work with. And oil field connections in the past. And, you know, going forward, I'm going to be helping with oil field helping hands. And so, anyway, working with these organizations is going to introduce you to a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, we do... Uh, monthly meetings for most organizations out here. You'll do a monthly lunch or a happy hour event or dinner, something along those lines. You know, we do quarterly events. Uh, all of it's about raising funds for the community. So uh, it's just a good thing. I think, you know, more people should get involved with, um, you know, not just because it helps our communities, but it also brings like-minded people and, you know, brings them together and gives them a chance to, you know, network and work on ideas together and, and learn from each other. So that's another thing I would say for people to get involved with. Yeah. I mean, one of the things um, that uh, I forget if it was, uh, so I had a couple of guests on yesterday and, and uh, I think it was Colin, but one of the, one of the two of them, we were talking about how, you know, the only gas industry, you know, good, bad or indifferent on some of the PR stuff that we do and, and some of the operational stuff, you know, it, it is, 
pretty fantastic that really as an industry, we have a focus on doing a lot of these community type uh, uh, driven events and, and really being active parts of the community. And that's something that I really, really appreciate about the industry that, that you know, that we're in. But I don't think it's nearly enough you know, coverage or whatever you want to call it, but, but it's, it's really special. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, it seems like on a weekly basis, you know, I get invites to two or three different charity events for, for some cause or another, which, which is just fantastic. Uh, you mentioned a couple, I'm also a part of uh, sky high for kids, which is, uh, you know, it's a childhood cancer organization, but really driven by oil and gas. I mean, most of the, uh, the, uh, the founders and sponsors are, are oil and gas or energy uh, focused. And, and so, you know, I, I, I love that, that aspect of our industry a lot. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I've spent most of my career in the oil and gas industry. And unfortunately, I, I don't think many other industries do as well of a job as we do of, on, on giving back and trying to work with the community and, you know, raising funds and sky high is an awesome one as well. We recently had them at our pipeliners, uh, dinner. She came up and told everybody about the organization. That's another great one as well. That, um, like you said, oil and gas kind of supplies the funds on that side for it. And you're right though. I, I, I think that's part of the pride that we have in our industry as well. It's, it's a unique industry. That's for sure. Wanted to take a quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for your own fast and reliable dedicated server or maybe a domain at a fantastic price, hosting services, security, managed WordPress, whole range of innovations, Namecheap.com. It was started in 2000 with a mission to deliver the best domains at the best prices with the best service. And they have gone ahead and done that through and through over the last 20 years. Go ahead and check it out. AlderonVentures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. One more time, alderonventures.com backslash affiliate dash partners, A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com backslash affiliate dash partners, namecheap.com. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Remind me again, Derek, how long have you been, have you been out in Midland now? So I originally moved out here at the end of 2015. So okay. I was out here for a one-year contract. Was supposed to be heading back to Houston. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen, and I don't see me leaving anytime soon. So it's like quicksand once you get out here. It really is, and it has a way of keeping you here, at least pull, pulling you back. But one of the two. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what uh, you know. What was your experience with Epic, uh, you know, through COVID, and, and uh, you know, what have you been up to in the last eighteen months? And uh, you know, th- through this prism of you know business development and networking, you know, what are some of maybe the pivots that you had to make during that market? Talk to us a little bit about the journey that you've been on here recently. Yeah, man, and I'm glad you brought it up. That was something I wanted to discuss because, unfortunately, I think we're heading into another. Um, you know, situations, you know, similar to last year where we may have offices shutting down and and trying to minimize as much, you know, human human contact. So that's going to change up how a lot of us do our jobs. Um, but as far as that, so 18 months ago, you know, you know, briefly, I owned a small business. We were on our second year. Um, it was Pinnacle uh, Contract Services was a prior company. Uh, we were doing well until COVID hit, and they kind of wiped us out as a small business. So we ended up shutting those down, or shutting that company down, and then I opened Epic up as a sales consulting company in January. So I've been, um, you know, the last eight months, been doing the sales consulting side, working for the two companies I represent. But um, really, when it comes out, <coughs> excuse me. 
having the uh, having Epic set up with that, and I think the pivot point I had to have was was becoming more active on social media. When I still worked with Pinnacle, um, you know, I was still trying to develop business, and we weren't able to go out and see people. For the first time, we were all blindsided. We we didn't really know what was going to happen. Oil went negative. Um, you know, it was just a crazy year. And I think that's when I got really big on trying to build a personal brand and, and working through LinkedIn as more than what I was using it. I think that was the pivot point. I think that's where a lot of people are going to have to adapt is learning how to utilize social medias in a way that, you know, you're not just pounding everybody with your daily normal stuff uh, just posting you know flyers of what your company does right i mean actually putting genuine content on there and trying to actually build up that because i i do pick up business off of linkedin quite a bit where people have seen me on there and then they'll message me what do i do and from there we start discussing things and then you know sure enough i can work with them in some capacity so uh but anyway i could talk about that for days i'll let you jump on to the next one that's just kind of my thoughts on on the whole pivot point right now with what we're going through no i think that's a great uh uh you know maybe segue into you know i think one of the things that i notice so i'm, I'm going to kind of go in two tangents here and then i'll bring it back together but so on one side you know i don't know if it, um if you, you may be lucky enough not to get these very often uh but you know given that my like the top of my profile says something about investments or whatever. I get a lot of the financial advisor type that you know that messages me on LinkedIn. Hey, can I have fifteen minutes? And generally, you know that you can tell. I mean, watch well, I say generally, almost every single time you can tell that those messages are prescripted, just control, copy, paste, you know, and and going down the list. And and you know, I've gotten in the habit now. I used to just ignore them, but I've gotten in the habit now. It's uh, you know, I have a text uh, like a key, uh, a keyboard uh, shortcut, and basically it sends a message. It's something along the lines of, if this is the way that you would respond, or this is if this is the way that you would craft a first message for a potential client, there's absolutely no business to be done here. Because I mean, I'm the, of the opinion that if you if you want to potentially you know advise me on how to spend or how to allocate my money, and the way that you want to approach me the first time is just a generic LinkedIn message to my inbox with no context whatsoever, and just hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time? That to me is indicative of how you're going to treat me as a client, and so it's it, it immediately pushes me away. Um, but to your point, and this is the second part of the tangent. To your point, I think it's really valuable in um, you know your seat, my seat to stay present, stay part of the conversation, continue to be of mind. And so rather than, you know, throwing out this generic LinkedIn message that, that is going to get maybe a visceral response, just simply set, responding to a comment with some value uh, of, hey, you know, I can do this for you, or, or hey, let's talk about it, or, or something of that nature uh, can do, you know, it's, it's the exact opposite. It actually, like I said before, it can kind of give you that, you know, that sense of credibility and legitimacy that, that people are looking for. And so I find it fascinating just, you know, the the laziness of a lot of the people on LinkedIn, as opposed to if you have, like you, I mean, if you have a direction for, like, I'm, I'm sure when you get on LinkedIn, you're not just like scrolling through the, the feed for like to like to kill time. I mean, it's it's for a reason to engage with the network. And I think that conviction and that, that you know, that uh, drive is really what makes the huge difference. No, 100%, man. You have to look at it as a tool. That's what I've told some buddies who have kind of asked. Um, and I mean, I'm still learning a lot on it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that's always evolving. There's never going to be a set way to use LinkedIn. You know, it's all going to be about how it benefits you and, and figuring that out. You know, you're right, though. I did try to set up kind of 
Uh, well, I guess I'll backtrack on your tangent side. Yes, like the, you know, generic copy and paste emails or inbox mails. I get those daily, um, and I've gotten aware on those. When I can start telling that's what it is, I don't even finish reading it. Yeah, and 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 I hate to be that way because I've I've sent those out more than once over the five, six, seven years I've used LinkedIn. Right? I mean, it's now I I definitely kind of steer clear. I may drop a note to somebody if they post something. And I know there's some relevance I could bring in. I may drop them a line. Hey, I provide this you know, service as well in case you're ever gonna buy. You know, right. That would be about the most generic and cheesy thing I would say. I, you know, that I try to do now by any means. It's it's all about actually creating some sort of content ahead of time. Um, and so you know what a, a friend of mine told me. He he looks at it like it's almost having your normal weekly sales calls and touches with your customers when you're interacting with them on LinkedIn and looking at it like that now, because you're not going to be able to, you know, over the next couple of months, just stop in and talk to people like you can now. Um, so that's going to be the way to keep you and your company's services in front of him is by, you know, or her by possibly engaging on LinkedIn and having some dialogue and, Things like that. So it's going to be learning how to sell through a different, you know what I mean? Kind of utilizing it in a different mindset than just scrolling through, like you said, and and liking random stuff that has nothing to do with what you're actually using it for. um, It just occurred to me when you were saying that I I hadn't uh, hadn't really thought about this, I guess. But I wonder if LinkedIn is going to link uh, is going to look into I don't know about you, but I would find some some good value if they had like a, a FaceTime feature directly off the app that you could do video calls directly through LinkedIn as opposed to like having to go through Zoom or whatever. And you, if you could schedule something directly on LinkedIn and, and and do the video call, I mean, it's owned by Microsoft, right? right? So they clearly have the functionality to do that. I think something like that would be really interesting. I don't know about you, but over, the other thing, I guess part of the reason I came up with that is that, you know, over the last couple of years or year and a half, whatever, I, you know, I feel like this is probably a common thing, but but I've definitely hit like Zoom fatigue. I'm, I'm just over those, but there's so many of them. But to your point, we might be walking back into a space where you really can't be going into the office very much. And so you're going to have to have that, that video conferencing angle because, you know, the other side of that is that just on the phone, I mean, that, that gets, that gets, you know, killer too. No, you're right, man. Absolutely. Uh and I think you're 100% right. Everybody's zoomed out and tired of you know, the remote working. Um, and I do think there's a handful of people that actually enjoy it that way, though. And it's easier for them to maybe work from the house. And and so I think, you know, it's going to be unique. I think some people are going to want to go back to working that way. And then some mm-hmm. people obviously aren't. For people in my particular you know, line of work, it makes it difficult to... Because you just don't want to call people to call people and hassle them. You like to have reasons to go see a customer or stop in, you know, respect their time. You know, they're busy and they've got a full schedule. So, um, you know, that's where it makes it tough to be able to, to stay in contact. Excuse me. Let us stay in contact with them when you can't go see them, you know, monthly or whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I think that's where we're heading, unfortunately, with which is the way I've seen more offices the last couple of weeks putting up signs again and, and, and trying to keep vendors and, and people out. So, um, and it is what you it know, is, it, I understand. It's interesting you say it that way because I think there are, there's certainly an angle of you know, companies wanting to be more protective and, and uh, you know, lessening that flow. But I think there's also companies that are 
using it as an excuse to say, you know, just oh, like yes. kill them. Absolutely. You know, there's no solicitors whatsoever. And like, they have a good excuse to make that like just axiomatic, right? <laughs> oh no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Cause I get it right. Having random salespeople walking in your office all day would, it can get old for you. I'm sure. Um, I learned that with Pinnacle when I had a company briefly having vendors coming by the office to see us. I'm like, so, I mean, I got to see that other side of it a little bit. So I get it, you know, and yes, you're hundred percent right. They're going to be, it's going to be a good excuse to keep everybody at bay, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just a, a brief, uh, a brief comment here. You know, I'll call myself out. So I've, I've been, I, I said episode eight on coffee of, of coffee and liquidity somewhere in the comments here. I don't think eight is right. I think it's closer to like 10 or 11, but that's neither here nor there. I think this is the first one that I've actually been drinking coffee for because usually the others are Thursday afternoons. And so, uh, I don't know if you're drinking coffee as well, but this might be the first one that we're actually drinking coffee simultaneously. What's, what's in the cup over there? Oh, man, I wish I could say it's water. I wish I could say <laughs> coffee. I've already had mine this morning. But fair, uh, fair for all purposes, it could be coffee. There we go. It, it's water that identifies as coffee. So There you yeah. go. <laughs> That's the world we live in now. Um, but yeah, so man, I think it's going to be uh, just interesting to kind of see the shift. And I like that you used the word pivot earlier. I think that's important right now. Is I mean, honestly, I've spent the last couple of days, you know, working from my home office, organizing mm-hmm. cards, going through all you know the past six months worth of call notes, recircling up on who I need to, you know, what contacts do I already have? Because now, yeah, you know, you're basically going to run into a point where you've got to work with with your current network and your current base and try to expand from there. Um, so really following up on a lot of your old touches and old customers is what I think a lot of people are going to start doing as well. You know, since you bring that up, I'd love to uh, to hear your thoughts on one of the things that I, that I find is really impactful for my business is making sure that I have a very good pulse on, you know, for, for me, I, I do a lot of the transactional work, right? And, and so, you know, what are the deals are going to close next week, next month, next quarter? What are the deals that are going to take, you know, three more months of diligence and might close in six to nine months? And really making sure that really all of those pipelines are full at any one time so that I don't wake up one day and I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have anything that I'm working on that's going to close in the next six months or, or vice versa. If I've got a lot of things on the plate now, but I've got you know, nothing really in the hopper for, for later, how do you kind of modulate your your workload on a daily basis and weekly basis to make sure that you, that you that you do have that consistent pipeline of of uh, activity coming through the uh, uh, coming through the office. So, and man, my line of works a little different than yours. I would say I'm consistently kind of hunting to keep that pipeline full. Um, I I work in an industry where I I have to work with several different contractors at one time. There's not, um, it's not like a pipeline company where you've got, you know, three major projects in a quarter and that's what you got to focus on. Minor daily stuff. Somebody's, you know, needs this here, needs that there. So it's, um, it's definitely more of a continuously having that pipeline running because, uh, unfortunately you lose accounts sometimes or, you know, things happen out of your control or whatever. So you have to continuously have new business coming in behind because, you just don't know what you're going to run into. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as how to manage it, I mean, it, I, I kind of stay in a go mode. What I'm trying to work on is being better at, at following back up and staying on top of the follow-up game versus mm-hmm. always looking for new contractors. Um, so that's you know kind of what I'm organizing through this week is 
all those old calls that I need to go back on. So I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it can be really tough. I mean, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. When you go back, you know, and go back through that six months of backlog, there's a lot, you know, you can, um, you create a lot of work for yourself, right. By, by that follow-up and then that follow-up hopefully creates even more work. Cause then you get into, you know, working on deals or, or, uh, and so generally talk to me about sort of, and maybe this is a really difficult question to answer. And if it is, you know, I can kind of rephrase, but, uh, is there sort of a normal or average, transaction or interaction that you can kind of walk me through of, you know, is most of uh, your, is most of your stuff inbound? Is it outbound? And, and I mean, is this, you know, someone's calling and saying, Hey, I need X a piece of equipment in six hours over here. You know, this is, this is hot. Or is this, Hey, we're standing up a program and we're going to need this, that, and the other for this amount of time. You know, what so talk to me about sort of just the general gist of, of, of how this comes together for you, if that's possible. Yeah, no, you know, honestly, I would say um, all the above, you know, yeah, you've got, I might get a phone call and say, hey, we just had an air compressor go down on, on a job site, I need one ASAP. So now we're jumping through hoops to figure out where the hotshot drivers are, or where our guys are, do I have a compressor ready? Um, or it could be somebody that emails me a list and says, hey, I've got a, a project I'm bidding on, here's the equipment I'm going to need, here's for the amount of time, and then I work up some pricing from there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes it's planned, but a whole lot of my job is, you know, you know, something goes down on a job site and, and, you know, they've got manpower standing around and they need to rent a, a bulldozer or a mm-hmm. excavator or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, so that's kind of why I like my industry. I've, I've always found my way back into equipment rentals because it's very fast paced. Uh, and, and you can work with several different industries at once, you know, I've, that's the other thing. I've I've got options to sell to oil and gas, to commercial, to civil, to industrial, uh, midstream. You know, there's just a lot of different aspects that you can you know utilize equipment on. So it gives me a wide net of people I can talk to to keep keep that pipeline full. You know, when you sell to operators, that's who I feel sorry for, man. You've got a small amount of people you're trying to get in front of, like everyone else, and that's when it could really mm-hmm. be a tough, tough sell on that operator side because you just don't, I mean, there's just not nearly as many of them as there are, you know, other industries who we sell to. So you know, the, the, the kind of the ethos behind this podcast is, and I've said this probably on most episodes, but, but just to give a primer, because I think you'll have some, some really good feedback here. Um, really, the, you know, the reason I started this podcast was, uh, you know, sort for my seat, I've, I've sort of come to the realization, I guess, over the years that I think that the American dream has sort of been bastardized in, in a sense. And what I mean by that is that it seems like the American dream of today is, you know, in order to be successful and, and to, you know, reap all the benefits of being an American and, and, and being free and all these things, you have to be a very high powered entrepreneur, start your own business, earn a lot of money. You have to be a capitalist. You have to, you have to do all of these things um, and, and we've sort of moved away from what I think should be the American dream of, I fully believe that someone should be able to, you know, report to their nine to five, go home and, and earn, you know, a nice enough living to, to have a stable lifestyle, support their, uh, you know, their kids, go to the good school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but I think that there's a lot of people that sort of get caught up in, you know, that's a huge leap to start your own business and, and to do something entrepreneurial. And there's a lot of people that just aren't wired for that. 
Um, I'm curious, you know, some of the things that you've talked about today are, are just kind of, I don't want to say easy, but very straightforward in terms of putting yourself out there, networking, and engaging with your with your you know with your network authentically. What are some of the things um, that you think might be a key for someone that is trying to do something outside the box? Maybe they're not going to start their own business, but start a, hot, a side hustle, do something else to, to earn a little bit of more income. In uh, what are some of the um, for me, I think a lot of it starts with the mindset and, and the mentality. What are some of the things that you think about, or, or that really keep you on point, keep you going? That aren't you know aren't the money, aren't because um, I know that you're very entrepreneurial and you're very, you are sort of who I'm describing. What are some things that you think might help someone that's on the other side of the aisle kind of be able to break out of their shell and start doing something like this? Oh man, I mean, it's definitely a complex question, right? So I'm going to do my best to answer, uh, you know, so what I really see with that, yes, it is a mindset to be an entrepreneur and it's not for everybody. When I started a company in 2018, it was, you know, originally started as a side company. It wasn't really supposed to, it was just going to be some sort of additional income. We wanted to to start building. It got so busy though, that, that we were forced to leave and, and go full time. And it was not easy. Um, it was tough and it was very challenging at times. And I, I mean, it's definitely not for everybody. So, and there's nothing wrong with that by any means. Um, really, I think it's the hardest part for people to understand is that failure is probably going to be a part of the process. So if, if that's your biggest concern, um, you know, there is a whole lot of risk in, in opening up something, but I think a lot of people having that gut-wrenching feeling that I'm going to fail because you are taking a leap of faith. If you say, I'm going to open this business today and this is what I'm going to dedicate my time, this is how I'm going to feed my family, it is very risky. Um, but, I mean, in my opinion, not to you know deter anybody from doing it. Just know when you do it, it's definitely a jump in that direction. No, I, I, I love that. And Derek, I'm going to push back on that a little bit or, or maybe just reframe that a little bit because I think that the other part of what you're saying or maybe or the other part of what you're maybe not saying is I find a lot of times that it's really interesting to me what people define as failure. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if somebody goes out and starts a business and it's not, you know, as successful as they wanted it to be, or, you know, to your point, you know, if they start a business and it's the wrong time or the wrong market or what have you, and, and they have to shut down the doors, you know, the, the life lessons and, and the learning from that can, can make that a success, even if the venture itself was a, a failure, because, you know, the, um, if you have the fortitude to take those lessons and do something else, start something else and do it again, and you'll make the same mistakes, you can turn that failure into a success. And so I think there's a lot of people that get caught up in the, you know, you, I mean, you look at social media, you look at all the, you know, the people on, on social media, all you see is the best of the best because all the people post is the top of, you know, the thing that they want you to see, right? No one's going to post the shit days. No one's going to talk about the days or the weeks or the months or the years that everything's going terribly. Um, but, but I think that the people that go through those times and come out the other side or, you know, start a number of different companies and, and, and at some point find, quote unquote, the one that works or, or continue to iterate until they figure it out. I think those are the people that, that I would love to shine more of a light on because I think that those are the success stories as opposed to, you know, there are the other side of somebody starts something and it just goes gangbusters. And that's a, that's a wild success too. But I think, you know, going through the trials and tribulations 
of, of the failures or of, of the things that don't work and figuring out how to make it work, I think it's so much more rewarding to a degree as well. No, you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, so, you know, what I would call a failure, right? Pinnacle, my previous company, we shut down. That's a failure. I would never look at it that way. Um, hands down, the greatest learning experience. I feel like I put myself through business school 101, uh, basically. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I learned a tremendous amount. It changed my viewpoint. It made me a better asset to who I am now today. It just, I mean, I mean, we took it from nothing, you know, very, very low amount of uh, investment put into it. And then we were able to grow and grow and grow through, you know, internal success. But, but long story short, you're 100% right. So that is the beautiful part. A lot of it's not failure when things like this don't work out. It wasn't the right fit for me then either. I enjoy what I do a hell of a lot more now. And I think that was kind of a catalyst to say, hey, you know what? I can be an independent sales rep um, or a contract salesman and I can work, mm-hmm. you know, technically for myself and represent two, three different companies, you know, whatever it may fall. And that's what I've been doing. And so I, I think it was a catalyst to get to where I'm at today. I mean, I, I wouldn't have just kind of branched out and done this overnight, you know, by myself. You know, I started with a partnership, so it was a little easier to, you know, go out. There were two of us. And so without that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So no, you're right. It's a lot, it's just constantly learning from one mistake to the next. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've said it a number of times, probably on the podcast, certainly in day to day life. But I mean, I find a lot of times, you know, finding the things that you're not good at or finding the things that you don't enjoy can be a lot more valuable than the other side. Because then, you you know, you do it once. And again, going back to if you learn the lesson one time and you actually learn it, that's awesome. If you continue to learn, the, you know, have to learn the lesson over and over again, then you know, that's, that's a different conversation. But if you're if you're doing things and you're figuring out what doesn't work, I mean, I think that. Those are the people that are pushing the envelope and pushing the needle forward because you you got to innovate and you got to do new things or, you know, you're just going to be behind everybody else. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I found out very quickly, it's very humbling when you start, um, you know, kind of your own thing and, and you take on. Just, you know, stuff I've never done, insurance type stuff, HR type stuff, uh, you mm-hmm. know, getting health insurance set up for the company, uh, learning how to basically all these other aspects that it takes to run a business, learn how to do. And every time I'm Googling it, I'll be honest, every time I'm, I'm, I'm looking up stuff and reading online on LinkedIn about certain things. And, and a lot of it was just kind of self-taught. So um, I, I, I do think people glamorize it way too damn much. Like, oh, you own a business. I'll tell you what, you know, small business owners are a little stressed out, overworked people you'll probably meet. And it all falls on their shoulders. Um, It is a sign of success in our, I mean, there's a stigmatism with that, you know, that's successful. But at the same time, it doesn't mean it's made in the shade, you know, that I think we kind of glamorize this. This entrepreneur and a lot of people don't quite understand what they're getting into when they do it. And, and, you know, I've had buddies make some very rash decisions and just didn't pan out for them. All right, folks. Appreciate you listening in. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you being with me. Let's talk about Tossable Digits. One of our affiliate partners with Alderaan Ventures is Tossable Digits. It's similar to a Google Voice, except that times 10. Now, you can use it for anything, sales, ad tracking, workflow, real estate, any sort of follow-up you need, phone calls, text messaging. The kicker here though, Tossable Digits allows you to get a local number in up to 60 different countries. There's no contracts anytime. 
cancel anytime. It's a fantastic platform, super easy to use. You got to check it out. Tossable digits. Learn more about it. AlderonVentures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. One more time. That is AlderonVentures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com backslash affiliate dash partners. And now let's get you back to the show. Oh, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, glitz and glamour. And going back to what I said before, I mean, on LinkedIn, if you're only if you're following those people and, and you're just following the posts, of course, all you're going to see is all the, you know, the swimming successes, but you're not going to see, you know, the, the months and years that it took to get to that place. And, um, and you know, it, it takes an unbelievable amount of, of sweat equity, uh, you know, to use that word and, and, and pain and frustration and whatever you want to call it to get to a place where you, you know, you have something that other people can be envious of or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, yeah, the entrepreneur, uh, the entrepreneur's journey is, is, that's actually kind of what I was saying before. I mean, you're exactly right. It, it's, it sort of has been bastardized into this glamorized and sort of this romanticized notion of, of what running a business is, but you don't, you don't see the other side. And unless you, no. unless you're on the other side, unless you do it, there's no real way to explain it either. <laughs> No, and you know, and and I think that was more of what it was for me was you know you know the emotions you go through and the stress you go through and like the different side of you know every job is stressful. I don't care what you do, every job has its own type of stress built into it. Uh, jobs just have different types of stresses. That's all. I mean, obviously, in my opinion, but I think everybody can relate to you know it being stressful at times but um until you can walk you know the old saying walk a mile in my shoes you don't know and i that's truly what i think um and because you're right you know i mean and unfortunately social media is a lot of it's i mean it's a lot of bullshit and it's a lot of stuff that people mm -hmm. post excuse my language hopefully i'm gonna think about no, it being live I, on I, here my fault I, I think i've i think i've dropped some f-bombs on here you're good okay my fault yeah i just <laughs> thought about that with this one being a live one um but anyway, no, you're good. like you said, a lot of, you know, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and TikTok, it's all it's all romanticized BS, like you said. And I actually I'll put posts about negative stuff sometimes like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I am having a bad day. It's been a shit day. I've been getting turned out left to right or, you know, just one after another left and right. And, uh, you know, I mean, we all have bad days. And so that's like you said, learning to work through those type of days. And I think if more people were honest about it, we'd have less fluff and BS on our news feeds and more actual, um, you know, I guess real conversations would be the way to phrase it. We're uh, running up against uh, time here. Uh, I don't want to take you or uh, keep you too long. So before we hop off, um, I, don't, I doubt you did it at the front end, um, or, or if you did, give us a recap. Where can people find you? Well, you know, where are you at? I know you're on LinkedIn, but, um, but make sure people uh, you know know where to find you on that. Uh, drop anything else that you want to promote. I want to give you a few minutes to do that. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate it. Again, uh, my name is Derek Clark. I, I work out here in the Permian Basin full-time. Uh, supply all of your construction equipment, heavy machinery, cranes, anything you might be needing for a project. Um, work with the Pipeliners Association out here, a great organization. We've got a big event coming up uh, September 25th. We're doing a team roping event here um, at the Midland Horseshoe Arena. So that's going to be a big concert, you know, blowout event. Um, and 
OHH is another one to check out. We've got some events coming up as well with them. But, no, I appreciate your time. I, I enjoy it, man. You do a kick-ass job of what you do. It's, it's, it's not always easy getting up there and, and talking on the podcast and coming up with things to talk about. So uh, cheers to you for always doing it, bud. Well, I appreciate it, man. No, and uh, come, you know, having people on like yourself makes it super easy. I'm, you know, uh, this is, you know, I, I try to be, you know, pretty conversational. And uh, you know, uh, I remember when you and I first met. I, th- I think we, uh, if I remember right, we when we were sitting there for a long time, and I think both of us kind of looked at the watch. was like, oh shit, like you know, we gotta go. I think, <laughs> I think we were both like we were late for appointments or whatever. But I love the fact that you and I can just kind of. Yeah, I mean, we happen to be on headphones and, and some people might be listening, but this is, you know, I really enjoy this conversation and I love your perspective on a lot of the things that we talked about today. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, for sure, man. I look forward to meeting up with you again. Like you said, the uh, you know conversations aren't too hard to have between us two. We we can definitely keep a conversation rolling there. So I uh, I enjoyed it as well. This is an awesome setup. If I can ever help out and get in the future, just, uh, yeah, shit, let me know anytime. I appreciate that. Would love to have you on the the Why Drive podcast to talk a little bit more about this mindset stuff. I, I don't know if I promoted that while you were on or not, but uh, briefly, uh, you know, just give uh, people listening uh, another primer. I'm going to be starting a new podcast. I haven't decided if uh, uh, this is going to be one of the last episodes of Coffee and Liquidity or if I'm just going to add to the docket. But I'm starting a new podcast called the Why Drive podcast, which is really talking about what you and I were talking about today about, you know, what drives people to do, you know, what's the passion behind the why and really, you know, what's what's really the motivation for, for what you're doing on a daily basis and getting up in the morning. Because I find that if you have that motivation, if you understand that why, a lot of the actions can be a lot more easily, you know, easy to go through. Um, and actually, I, I remember what I was going to say briefly a few minutes ago. Let me just throw it out there that, um, that I, one of the other things that I think is really important about the entrepreneur's journey that you mentioned that, that I want to just kind of circle back to briefly is how impactful it is that, you know, so there's like your point there. Most jobs have a high level of stress or, or you know, most jobs have some amount of stress. But the key with the entrepreneur, like you mentioned, is an entrepreneur isn't just a business owner. They're a business owner. They're the HR person. They're you know they're the healthcare person. They're the whatever it is. They they wear all of the hats. And and I think that kind of gets lost in translation sometimes because it's not just oh I'm the guy that signs the check at the bottom for the employees. I mean it's it's anything that's going wrong or anything that needs attention. It, it, at the, it ultimately falls on you. Even if you have someone that's doing that or, or that's their job, what, at the end of the day, the box stops with you. And I think that's the, really the pressure that people, it's hard, to under, like, it's hard to grasp that. It's hard to understand that unless you're in that seat to really understand what that, what that means and the gravity of that weight. Absolutely. No, you're, you're you know, spot on with that because I wasn't prepared for it when I first started dealing with some <laughs> of the stuff I was having to work through. I'm like... You know, you know, very stressed out when you're out of your comfort zone. Sales and marketing, that's kind of my comfort zone. That part of the mm-hmm. business, which was actually my job title, was probably what I spent the least amount of time doing. It was all the back end work that I I didn't foresee that that, you know, hit you in the mouth. Of course, I spent a good time, you know, out selling and doing my thing, but I spent a lot of time in the office doing stuff that I had no idea. Um you know what i was doing so and i'm thankful i, I mean that's why i've always said mentors i, I know i'm sure you agree yes, having mentors for different aspects you can have multiple mentors too you don't have to have one mm-hmm. for the the almighty yoda i mean you can have one that's awesome in this industry and one's awesome at this and that and um because I've, I've i've got multiple people i kind of lean on for advice on stuff and, um and just kick ideas back and forth with so i think that's something you know 
that can help a lot of people right there. And shit, they don't have to be older than you. It could be anybody that you know is good at what they do, and it could help you out and learn a little bit. That's all it really is. No, that's, that's exactly right. I find myself saying this. You probably heard me say this before. I find myself saying this pretty often that, you know, for, for what I do, I very rarely know all the answers or, or know the answers to all the problems. But my job, as I see it, is to know the person that's a phone call away that can answer whatever it is. And so whatever I'm looking at, my network needs to be strong enough that I'm a phone call away from the person that's going to know the answer. And that, you know, that allows me to focus on the things that I'm good at. And, and you know, I, I don't get out over my skis of trying to figure out things that someone else can 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 answer for me. So if I'm trying to you know, do something with equipment or if I've got a client looking for equipment, I'm, you know, I'm going to call Derek. Why, why am I going to try to f- figure that out myself? No, and I, and you know, that's kind of a sales point that I use with, you know, with my actual, you know, day-to-day sales with, with customers is you can get equipment anywhere. I understand there's several vendors. I do what I do. What makes me unique is the network I have. And if you need help finding the Hydrovacs, you need help finding this, you need, Instead of, you know, because a lot of people out here are out of town mm-hmm. contractors that show up for projects, you know, take care of business and, and having a local person that kind of knows ins and outs of a lot of people is beneficial. So, like you said, having that network built up and actually utilizing it, um, I agree with that 100%. Well, awesome. Hey, Derek, uh, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, great stuff. Um, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, get us out of here. Uh, yeah, we're, we're just about at the hour mark. So it's a great, a great time to, uh, to break. Uh, for anybody uh, that didn't get a chance to, uh, to watch the whole show, uh, it'll be obviously on these uh, channels. We were on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter today. Uh, but then, uh, Derek, I think uh, I'm going to start publishing these on the podcast apps hadn't been doing that but i think i'm going to throw this up the, these up on on the podcast app so we can uh, you can find those here uh, you know in the next few weeks but uh with that i'm going to go ahead and sign off and like i said i would love to have you on the wide drive podcast once we get that one up and running to, to dig a little bit more into the mindset stuff absolutely let me know how i can help but i appreciate your time and uh and yeah thank you again it was great awesome thanks Derek. thanks bud bye All right, and that is a wrap. I am your host, Ben Samuels. This has been another episode of Coffee and Liquidity. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys showing up. Go ahead and check out alderonventures.com for more information about what we've got going on and future episode releases. Thanks, guys.